Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeinfocustv.com. How many of you want a more powerful prayer life? Anybody in the house this morning want to be able to pray more powerfully? That's what we want. That's what we need. It's so very important. Ian Bounds was a, an author and an attorney. He wrote so many books about prayer. And his uh, book, uh, Power Through, uh, Through Prayer, is one of the most powerful books I've ever written, most significant books I've ever read concerning prayer. And one of his quotes is, The secret of success in Christ's kingdom is the ability to pray. The one who can wield the power of prayer is the strong one the Holy One in Christ's kingdom. The most important lesson we can learn is how to pray. You know, prayer is partnership with God to bring about His will on earth. I said prayer is partnership with God to bring about His will on earth. Today our focus is going to be on one aspect of prayer. You know, uh, unity is extremely important. Disunity is extremely harmful. There's tremendous, horrible danger and damage when there's disunity, discord, lack of harmony. It's, it's kind of a, a musical term, if you will. Uh, if we were to have the, the worship team up here, and I just simply say, all of you play a particular note or chord, just whatever comes to your mind, then everyone's different. That is discord chord. That is noise. That is not pleasant. That is not harmonious. And today there's such a problem with conflict, hostility. I mean, look around you in the nation and in the world, the hostility, the conflict, the strife, the division. And in our culture, in our society, everybody about me, myself, individualism, self-assertion, self-interest, Hatred of others. I'm going to get my way. I mean, it is so pervasive in the world today and in our country. Now, understand that there's a difference between division and godly separation. You know, there, there's times when you, there, there, there are situations where you just can't agree with what's going on. And you just can't agree with someone. Because your convictions are different. Your beliefs are very different. Your heart's different. And some people sacrifice truth with an attempt to keep peace and unity. That's not a good thing. Not a good thing. We're supposed to be loving, considerate, patient. We're supposed to, to uh, do all that we can to live at peace with our, with our neighbors, with our brothers and sisters. But we also are people that uh, as Christians, there are some things that we can do, some things we can't, there's some things that are right for us to do, some things that are wrong. It's important for us to line up with what God says, what pleases Him. And if, if, uh, if unity is going to cause you even maybe to please someone else, if unity or agreeing with someone is like, uh, is, is something good that will keep peace with someone, but it is not pleasing to the Lord, then it's best to stay with God. I said it's best to stay with God. Yeah. So there's sometimes we have to use discretion, right? There's, some, there's sometimes we use discretion. And uh, 
separation in some sense. That doesn't mean we hate. We're supposed to hate or or uh, have that kind of animosity towards someone. It just means that you can't get along with everyone, and you can't be in agreement with everyone. It's just a fact of life. Unity. The word unity, united, unison, being together. It's a universal principle that started with God himself. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, the Trinity, triunity. What a perfect example there of agreement, of being one. When he created man, he created man in his image to be one in partnership with him. Then he brought Two man, woman, the first marriage, if you will, a picture of unity. When Jesus came, he took us from a place of disunity and separation to a place of unity with him through Christ. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. The hope, it's our hope and glory, right? Christ in you, our hope and glory. When we read about the church, we see very quickly the importance of unity, of the church moving together of the church being one heart, one spirit, and one accord. It's extremely important. Folks, it's just a fact that when things work together, they just just go so much more smoothly. Teamwork, we call it. Teamwork. If your body functions well and the members of your body function in agreement and each one doing their part, how many of you know that that's healthy and that's good? You want your body to function in unison. Work. If you're in the workplace, it's good. Everyone has their particular skills and abilities. And if everyone gets plugs in there and does their part, then you're productive in it. In sports, if you're playing sports, a particular game, it's important for teamwork, for that team to be one unit. A weaker team can win over a stronger team if the weaker team stands together. It's just a fact. When your car engine functions with every part of that engine harmonizing and doing its part, then that's good news. When music is played in harmony, then that's a pleasant sound. There's tremendous power in unity. It's a God principle. However, there's something interesting found in Genesis chapter 11. You can turn there with me if you want to. I think verse 6 is where I'm going to focus. But go all the way back to Genesis. And what, what's happened here? You know, the, the population has grown. And finally, it says the people move to this, this wide open space, this plain, if you will, and they decide to settle there. And here's what they said to each other. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now, on the surface, that looks like a very good thing. I mean, these people want to be productive. They want to work hard together. We want to build a big building and a tower that reaches all. Look what we can do if we just work together. Then the scripture says here, it says, The Lord said, if as one person speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing, get this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible to them. You want to just think about the power of unity. We're talking about just men, just people saying, together we can do this. I mean, that's powerful. It was God himself says, if they set their minds to do this, there's nothing they can't do. Power of unity. 
Well, something happened. God had to disrupt that unity and divide the human race because they all spoke the same language up to that time. And then God moved on the scene and the people were confused. They began to babble. We call the Tower of Babel. They began, their languages were different. They could no longer communicate. They could no longer work together. And they scattered across the earth. Amazing account. Why did God do that? Why did God do that? He had to stop their perversion of unity, it was all about themselves. They were doing it separate from God. They were unified for a purpose of their own, and he knew the ultimate end of that would be their destruction. It's dangerous when human beings are in agreement with each other. Now get this. It's dangerous when human beings are in agreement with each other, but they're not in agreement with God. The Bible talks a lot about the value of not being alone. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 talks about, it says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. In other words, it's more productive. It, you can be more successful. It says two can be more successful and productive than one all by themselves. Ecclesiastes 4, 10 goes on and says, for if they fail, the one will lift up his fellow but woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. Sometimes you just need somebody. You need someone to restore, to help you. Comfort comes from working together. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4.11 says, Again, if two lie together, if they lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? There's something about being one another that can... that that is, is effective comfort and encouragement to you. It's a, stronger def, it's a stronger means of defense when you stand not alone with someone else. That's why we call it an army. It's not an army of one. It's plural. These men and women come together. They move together as a unit. That's how they win. And if one prevails against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord... Three cords, three ropes, three strings twisted together is not easily or quickly broken. There is power in being together. I mean together, together. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Amen? How good and pleasant it is when a family lives together in unity. How good it is when a church lives together in unity. How good is that? If you flip and see the other side of the coin, how bad is it when you don't? <laughs> and some of you have been in situations where, where that's happened and it's not a pleasant situation at all. You know, back in Genesis, you see where God, in accomplishing his will, brought about this scattering or this disunity because the people were bringing upon themselves their own self-destruction. Interesting to see that though he was always a God who wanted people to unify together under him, under his leadership. And then when we see the birth of the church in the book of Acts and the, the church comes together, it says that they were there in one place in one accord. Now, how many of you know that you, be, you can be in one place and not be in one accord, not be together. 
uh, you can be together without being together. Their marriages today, their families right now, they're together, but they're not together. Right? God's goal, his desire is for us as believers to be together, together. And when they had gathered in the upper room, they were together all there, but they were together. They spent several days there, and I think there were probably some reconciliations, some prayer on one another, and seeking the Lord during that time. But when the time was right, they were in one accord. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon them in power, and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. The power of unity. I don't believe it would have come if the church had been divided and in strife. I don't believe, I, I think that had to be accomplished in the church itself for God to do his will there. God restores that unity. That's his desire. The early church had great success because of the tremendous agreement among believers with the Holy Spirit and with each other. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3, Paul says, make every effort that means to work at it, be committed to it. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. That's the unity you have in Christ, the unity you have in His call, His purpose, His heart, through the bond of peace. When there are differences, notice them and be quick to mend them. Each individual working together to make the whole successful. Romans 12, 16 says, Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. The church is called one body with many members. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says, I appeal to you. I appeal, I urge you, believers, in the name of the Lord Jesus, get this, that all of you be in full agreement, harmonious. You know, the fact that he's urging them to do this means that they were probably lacking in that area. And, and how many of you know that being in agreement or in harmony can be quite a challenge? It can be a challenge between husband and wife, can't it? Be one. In the book of Genesis, it says that, that when Eve was brought to Adam there, and they going, God, God says, you, you'll be one, you'll be one. That's not just talking about physical relationship. You'll be one in unity. That, that's That's... Very significant, we'll look at in just a moment. He says, you need to make an effort. You need to strive for it. You look for it. You, you, it's important that all of you be in full agreement, harmonious in what you say, and that there be no divisions or strife or factions among you. Now, I don't want to digress too much, but one of the reasons we have trouble developing in our faith and growing in our spiritual life is because we approach the Word of God with a pick-and-choose pick and mentality. You know what I'm saying? That if it's something that I like or I agree with or I feel like I want to go ahead and do, then, yeah, I choose that. I'll do it. I, I, Lord, yes, I'll do it. But if it gets real close to home and it challenges us in some areas and it's not going to be very comfortable, then say, well, I don't know where the Lord really, I don't know where that's what he really means for me or not. And we excuse ourselves out of it. Here's the, here's the heartbreaking part about it. Is that any time that God gives us truth, his word, it's light shining into our lives to 
dispel the darkness. It's to be a blessing. So anytime we reject what God is saying to us, even though it may be a little painful for us to do, difficult for us to do, a challenge for us to do, anytime that he so lovingly brings this to us, you and I have an option to say yes or no. We have a choice. Yes, Lord, I receive that. Here's the, here's the next important phrase. And I will do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Do you know where a lot of Christianity breaks down as far as people developing, and growing, and becomes the more than conquer and become what God wants? You know where the breakdown is? Between the hearing and the doing. Last week was a fantastic week for those of you who were here. It wasn't just fantastic because I just preached a real short sermon. <laughs> but it was, it was I mean, I, 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 let me say, it was fantastic for me. It was powerful. I didn't know exactly how it was going to turn out. I mean, maybe I didn't have enough faith in that area. You know, I, I, just, I don't know. But to be able to talk about the significance of agreeing to care in, uh, in prayer and walking and claiming dominion and authority, that's a powerful thing. And when we disperse from here, and, you know, I wanted to concentrate on, on focus on the Lord and praying, and I did. I, I, I did. It was a powerful time for me, wonderful time. But also in doing that, my eyes were not closed. It would not have been safe. My eyes were not closed. So I was walking around, and one of the things as I prayed is I saw many of you. And I saw you scattering through this building and walking through different parts of this building, praying over the kids' ministry in the media and, and praying on the front doors there, people entering here and praying throughout this building here and walking over the parking lot and around the cars and praying, going up to the amphitheater location and praying and out to the pavilion and the playground and I watched you. I mean, I wasn't staring, but I saw you and I saw the tremendous, I sensed the power of God during that walk. I mean, God's available, working our lives all the time, but I sensed his presence. Some of you came, laid hands on me, and prayed for me. Thank you. I watched you lay hands on buildings, rooms, places, chairs, and pray. I believe there will be results to that. But you know, it was important as what God did during the actual event of walking. But here's what helped bring the breakthrough, is I talked about it, we read the scripture and saw what God said about it, and then together we went and we did it. We did it. What would we have missed if we had just left the building and had not done it? Oh, God help us to learn to implement what he's called us to do. So very, very important. Prayer is forming partnership, first of all, with God in agreement with Him, agreeing with His Word, confessing His Word. And confess in Greek means to say the same thing as. So when you read the Word, you're saying, I agree, Lord, with what I read in Your Word, the Bible, Your promises. And I'm going to say it, confess it, I'm going to say it. And that word confession means to say the same thing as, to agree with I'm going to say the same thing you say, God. Do you know the foolproof way of always saying the right thing and always praying a prayer of faith? Say what God says. Pray like Jesus prayed. You'll never miss it. 
you'll always be on target. Go with me for just a moment, just a moment this morning, a little bit more I want us to get into before we go. Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to focus on verse 19 and 20. Matthew 18, the focus is verse 19 and 20, but hold your place there. Or Before we get there, let me back up just a little bit. Um, because it's important when you read and study the Bible that you look at the, and you read a particular verse, you need to, you need to travel around that verse just a little bit. In other words, you need to see the context of what happened before and what happens after. Because sometimes if you just take one verse and pull it out and look at it, it may say, I mean, it, you know, what you're saying may be true, but that particular verse does not say that. It's not proof of what you're believing. You may find it somewhere else, but that's not what that verse is saying. There's some, there's some different beliefs or opinions when it comes to these few verses, but how many of you know that that's not uncommon for us to approach the fact that some things have been taught one way and yet the Bible perhaps has another way for us to see? The, the overall theme that we see here when you move into Matthew here in this particular chapter is unity, is dealing with conflict and differences. Well, let me quickly go back to verse 15 and listen, listen to this. He says, Jesus says, moreover, he gives a simple format to follow. We'll come back to this another time, but I'm just going to run through it right now. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. One, if you got a problem or conflict, Go work it out, just the two of you, the parties involved. A lot of the problem comes when you start spreading it out to mom and daddy and sister and brother and friends in the church and everything. Do the best you can to go and resolve it where the problem is. You do it in love. You confront in love. You do it with a desire to reconcile. He says, if he hears you, you've gained a brother. In other words, that reconciliation together. Verse 16. But if he doesn't hear you, if he'll not hear, then go back and take with you one or two others. People, I think spiritually mature people, people that, that uh, are trustworthy, people that will speak the truth. They won't try to take sides, but simply speak the truth according to what God says. And it says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. In other words, help clear things out when you've got someone else there to objectively look at the situation, talk about it. It's a powerful two. But if number one doesn't work, and then that's number two, that doesn't work. He says, now, if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Wouldn't that be interesting? Wouldn't that be interesting? Well, I want quickly to see that the church of that day was primarily a house church consisting of a small number of people who knew each other well, who were in accountability situations. You hear what I'm saying? If you go trying to air out everyone's <coughs> dirty laundry in a church of 50, 100, 200, 300 people, there's trouble. Trouble. Because everybody's going to have some stuff that could be aired out here. Now. You understand what I'm saying? 
So this is not talking about, <clears throat> I don't think this is talking about me standing up one Sunday morning and saying, so-and-so, did you know they're living in adultery right now? We, I went and talked to him, wouldn't do anything about it. Two or three went together with me, talked with him about it. He wouldn't do anything about it. Now I'm telling you, church, that this is what has happened. Wouldn't that be strong? I'm not saying that the situations that wouldn't arise would be like that. In fact, I'm saying that sometimes the church hasn't had enough backbone to act in love and actually do that because you're doing it for the sake of the one who is hurting or who has missed it. You're not doing to put that person down. You're doing it to restore them and bring them back, to heal them. We have to be very cautious and careful about how that's handled. I think that in the great majority of times, if you go in the right attitude, go in the spirit, go according to how the word teaches, and you go one-on-one with that person, you sit down, go to the word, pray, it can be resolved. I think if that doesn't happen, you can come along with two or three objective people, loving people, people that believe the word, talk it over, look at it, and move toward resolution and reconciliation. I believe that, it, that for Christians, you should never have to go beyond point two. Never. But there are people that get in rebellion and people that, uh, that are hurting the, uh, the witness of Christ and hurting the witness of a local church and their voice. They're hurting it. They're damaging it. People around them say, how in the world can you live like that? And you're an important part of that body of believers. And hey, none of us are perfect. Yes? Right? No. None of us are perfect. We're not looking at perfection as far as someone. We're not going fishing for people's faults and their problems. We're talking someone who's gone astray in a rebellious sort of way and is living in open sin and rebellion to the Word of God. We could use a little bit more of that kind of love in the church today. We really could. Because some people are going to continue on in their way, separation, sin, doing damage, unless someone loves them enough to reach down in love to rescue them. And that's all this is really about. Rescuing those that are dying, those that turn away. He says, now, if he refuses even to hear the church, interesting statement, says, let him be to you just like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, that's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. I don't say that we operate the same way as the Amish uh, with shunning or something. You know, we understand we're shunning. But, but let me say this, and I probably should not have gotten into this a whole lot, but let me just say this, that if these things cannot be resolved and it continues to cause strife and divisiveness and people are continuing to go astray or it's misleading someone else, then I think there is a sense to where you still love them, pray for them, but you disconnect, you no longer fellowship with them. Paul said for someone that was in error and in sin, he said, I just turned them over to the devil. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. What would that be if in the church said, I wouldn't listen to me, wouldn't listen to us, wouldn't listen to the church. I'm just going to turn you over to the devil. Now that doesn't sound very nice. Do you know the church is suffering today because we're, we're more, we're more we, we have a greater, we feel more pressure to be nice than we do in being faithful and true. More pressure to be nice than we are to genuinely love. Hey, I like to be a peacemaker. I like to get along with everybody. I don't like trouble. I don't like strife. I don't like discord. I don't like fussing. I don't like it. I don't like it. It bothers me. It bothers me. 
And the Bible says that where there's strife, there's every evil work. In other words, it's just like throwing the doors open, saying, come on in, devil. You can work in this area of my life, this area, because I've opened it wide open because I'm not going to make things right with you, Lord. I'm not going to make things right with my neighbor. I'm not going to deal with this situation. I'm not going to do it. Well, you know what happens there? And this is kind of what Paul meant when he said, turn you over the devil. It's basically lifting the blessings of God off it and say, all right, you're not under God's covering anymore. It's acknowledging they're not under God's protection and covering anymore. God mercifully deal with them in circumstance situations to bring them back to the truth. Well, that's a little sideline. That's for another Sunday. I really didn't intend to go that far. But I wanted you to see that the context of verse 19 uh, basically is, is sandwiched in within uh, verses that talk about agreement, dealing with strife, dealing with differences. Some people think this thing as far as dealing with discord and strife and things is like one of those things in scriptures to take or leave it. It doesn't matter. I know there's hatred in my heart and I know I don't forgive them, but I'm still going to come and worship on Sunday morning. I'm still going to pretend and I'm still going to do these things. The truth is, is you're hurting yourself because there's tremendous emptiness and pain there because you know. How many of you know you can tell when there's something on the inside that's just preventing you from being in the kind of relationship with the Lord that you want, that you need? There's something here that's hindering you. There's something in the way. There's something in you that says, this is phony, this is false, this is, you know, listen, we need to get all the stuff, all the junk out of the way so that we can really be in fellowship with him and one another, right? Yes, amen. Now, I know when I talk about this stuff, people get quieter, but these things are important. I'm not saying go out and, you know, start straightening everybody out or talking to them about their faults. This is not what this is saying at all. I knew one church one time I was in, I wasn't pastoring, I happened to be in that church and they preached on this and everything and then their invitation was, Okay, if you have something against someone in the congregation right now as we pray, then you need to go to them and talk to them and pray them. Let me tell you, that was stupid. <laughs> I mean, the, the idea, the intention was good. But if I'm standing there, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, somebody walks up to me, I'm wondering, what did I do? What's wrong? I didn't know anything was wrong. And so here you got people just scattering and pointing up. I want to tell you that you did this to me, but I forgive you. That can be so haughty and prideful and divisive. So sometimes people trying to get together, they actually become more divisive. But, uh, oh, how do I get back on track here? Um, here's, here's what I want to say is because this is sandwiched around the context of unity and dealing with differences, verse 18, and I'm going to read it, but I'm not going to preach on it because we're going to come back to that maybe next week. But verse 18 says, Assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. What what, What does that mean? And there are those today who say that Verse 19 is simply referring to the fact that when you're trying to deal with differences, 
that you do it according to what God says because it says whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. In other words, what God's already done, this is what you need to do here. What God's already said, that's what you need to do and say here. You need to be in agreement with what God has established in his kingdom. Agree with what God has said. And when you do that, you can bind and loose because you are doing what God said. And many say this is a legal, this is a particular legal conversation here that says when people come together and they're trying to work out their differences, then when you talk to them, then you can bind certain situations and you can lose certain situations depending on how those people respond to it. Now, there is some truth and legitimacy to that. I agree. However, the people who stress that are people that believe that that's all binding and loosing is. They're the ones who say, you can't bind the devil. They're the ones who say, you can't bind sickness. They're the ones who say, you don't have the power to bind things on earth. You don't have power to loose things according to what God. You don't have that power today because miracles are still are not available for today. I talk to you as my friends and my church family, as your pastor. No matter what you ever see with your physical eyes, the Word of God is true. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. His miracles are still available today. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still operational in the church today. None of this died when the Bible was completed. None of it died when all the apostles, the first apostles died. It's still available today. Still available. That's what this person is going to always declare. I've made up my mind. I don't care what I see, what I feel. I've made up my mind. This is true. But there are good people and even Christians around the area who love the Lord, been saved. They don't believe that. They don't believe that. They believe what I'm saying is wrong. I had one the other day point his finger at me and tell me I was a false prophet. claiming that I did not preach the gospel of Christ and salvation from sin. My invitation to that person was, go around and ask some of these folks here that have been here for a while and see if they've ever heard about sin, salvation, the blood of Jesus, the cross. Ask them. The problem with this was, I was preaching about victory, overcoming, power of the believer, that the word of God is true. That faith works. That's what I was preaching. And that offended. It offended. But I thank God for those of you that are here this day because this doesn't offend you. Because you believe it. You know it's true. You're getting it settled down inside of you. So true. And this is what I was coming to all this time. We're getting done. I know we'll party in here in just a moment. But I was coming down to verse 19. Here's what I want you to know. He's talking about unity. Then he talks about binding and loosing right in here. And then it's almost as if in verse 18, 19, after you finish this idea about dealing with differences and living in accord and unity, it's almost as if 18 and 19 makes, a, makes a, 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 an adjustment. It's almost as if it turns slightly from that subject and says, again I say unto you, this is what Jesus said, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, asking is praying, last I heard. He's talking about praying here. He says that any of you agree in harmony, together, united, on earth concerning anything that they ask, 
important. Two, that's more than one. Now, can you be effective as a, an individual prayer? Absolutely. Absolutely. The Bible says you can pray victoriously. You can pray and get results and answers. Do you have to always have someone pray with you? No. No, but there's something about partnering with someone else in prayer. So he says, if two of you, he's talking to believers, that's the you, two of you agree together concerning anything, can I hear everybody say the word anything? If you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name as my followers, I am there in the midst of them. Amplified Bible says, Again, I say to you that if two believers on earth agree, that is, are in one mind in harmony about anything that they ask within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Amen. The word agree there, if any two of you agree, is the Greek word symphoneo. And the word symphoneo, we get our word symphony. Symphony, the musical, the, the symphony orchestra playing together. It comes from the word sum, which means together, and phoneo, which means to voice or say. It means to say together. It means to be in one accord. Agreement. Working together of two things to produce a greater effect than the sum of their individual parts. There's something about synergy which is together energy in prayer. Uh, one sideline very quickly here is uh, that's the Greek translation of, of suneo is to suphaneo, uh, 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 which means to, to be harmonious in agreement together. The voice is the same thing. But when you look at the roots of that Greek word, and we won't get into this very much, but you can also find there are some aspects of this where the word agree can be translated as the word to stipulate. To stipulate. And the word thing, agree, stipulate as to anything, that's the word deed. D-E-E-D. It gives a when you stipulate something, I have to be careful here. I have to be careful because people can misunderstand here. When you stipulate something, this is what you're doing. You're saying, this is how it's going to be, right? I'm going to stipulate. I'm going to say, this is how it is. This is how it is. When you stipulate, you're making a demand. So when you agree with God, you're making a demand. Oh, <gasps> making a demand on God. God, I knew you were a false prophet. Making a demand on God? Well, before anybody runs away with that, he's God. We're not. We don't go around demanding God anything. He's the boss. He's in charge. He's God. However, it is the Father's desire that we make a demand on God. The thing, which is deed, which is another word for covenant. Here's what, let me put it this way. He's saying here is that when you come together in agreement and prayer, you are stipulating or taking from the covenant the thing which has been promised you and saying it is mine. 
I would say I get chills over that, but it's the Holy Spirit. I know it's not chills. It's not cold. That is the power of God that you go up to a, 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 a Coke machine, a, Coke, a soda machine. You go up, you put the money in, and you push a particular button, for and you should get what you demanded, right? I demanded Dr. Pepper. And it's anything other than Dr. Pepper. That's not what I stipulated. I had a covenant with this Coke machine. I had a covenant. And I invested because I put my money, I put my faith in. I put my faith in and believed it. And then I claimed it, stipulated, and God gave it to me because Jesus Christ died on the cross and I'm now in covenant with him and he has said that he will answer my prayers. Can you hear anything unscriptural about that? I don't. But of course, if I was a false prophet, I would be in deception. I wouldn't know whether it was right or wrong. Right. But you don't ever measure the truth or something by what Pastor Dennis Smith says. You measure it by what you go to the Word and you pray and you seek the Holy Spirit and you read and you study. It's my responsibility, though, to share those things that I believe that God's trying to say to us today and my heart's desire is to do it as honestly and truthfully as I possibly can, but it's the Holy Spirit that takes what I say and speaks to you. And if you've got a heart to receive what He's really saying to you, it'll be good. It will be good stuff for you. All right, let's bring things down to a closing here. Pray in agreement. Let me mention some things very quick, quickly. When you're going to pray in agreement with someone, that means praying with somebody else, by the way. Well, first of all, pray in agreement. Always be agreeing, always agree with God. If you're going to pray in agreement, agree with Him first. Agree with Him first. All right, here we go. If you're going to pray in agreement with someone else, base your prayers on God's Word. Above everything else, base what you're praying, base it on the promises of His Word. The second thing you want to do is to be clear and specific about what you want, what you're praying about. Specific requests are important. Be specific when you pray. The Bible says, the Bible doesn't say this, but this is a cute little saying. It says, fuzzy prayers get fuzzy results. Specific prayers get specific results. Learn to pray specifically. Base your prayers on God's Word. Be clear and specific about what you want when you're praying. Thirdly, when you're choosing someone to pray with or to agree with you, choose carefully. You don't just walk up to someone that you just met or someone that's, unless God really speaks to you about it. You don't just walk up to anybody or just another church member and say, I'm going to be praying about this. Will you agree with me? And, of course, what do we say as Christians? Yes, I will. I'll agree with you. We may mean well, but can we really agree with them? I mean, let me, let me point this out. This is so very important. And you, when you choose someone to say, look, I need you to agree with me in prayer. I want you to join with me. Unite with me in prayer. When you do that, make sure that you seek the Lord. Be led by the Holy Spirit. It should always be a born-again believer. Now, that should go without saying, but I just said it. You don't ask a non-believer to agree with you in prayer. It should always be a believer. Someone whose heart belongs to the Lord. Someone who's faithful. Not perfect, but faithful and genuine. Choose carefully. First of all, choose someone you trust. 
Agreeing is not just two people having the same opinion. Because if two people have the wrong opinion, that's not good either. And sometimes when you say, will you pray me about this and your opinion is wrong? And then they say, okay, I will. So I'll join your wrong opinion and we'll have two wrong opinions. That's just like digging in with a stronghold and says we're going to both believe for the wrong thing. That was better than what you heard. There was a lot more in that than what, what most of, I, well, I don't know what you heard, but there's a lot of good stuff in there. Secondly, when you choose, choose carefully. Choose someone who is in total agreement with you. That means they're going to need to know a little bit about the specifics, a little bit about you, a little about the specifics you're praying for, what your ultimate goal is. They need to be, they, they, they make a commitment to this. The Bible says in Amos that can two agree unless they walk together? You need to really be together in this. When you get someone, that needs to be someone that's going to take this seriously is what I'm saying. I'm going to agree with you and I mean it. I'm going to stand with you on this particular thing or issue. Man, there's sometimes we just need that. We can pray. God will answer our prayers as an individual. But there are just sometimes we're facing some things to where we just need help. I just need someone Alongside me. I need, need, I need to know that someone else is in this with me. Right? Right? Okay, y'all not out eating yet, are you? I just, just stay with me. <clears throat> just a while longer. Someone who's in total agreement. Someone, and, and look, when you agree with someone, agree with someone who believes, who knows how to pray. Agree with someone who knows how to pray and gets results. I know, you prayed a lot. You you know, you've never had any prayers answered, but would you agree with me? Hey, I'm going to go to someone that's strong in their praying. I'm going to go to a prayer. I'm going to go to someone who's like a special forces prayer. I will get somebody that's special forces. They come into tough situations. They come into situations that they're willing to forge on, do whatever's necessary, but they're going to stand with you thick and thin, no matter what the battle, no matter how much warfare. They are special forces, and they've come in with you to win. That's the kind of person I want to agree with me. Pray. You, whatever you ask, that needs to be people that believe. The Bible says in John 14, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. If you'll ask anything in my name, I will do it. Chapter 16, 23 says, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Matthew 21, 22 says, Whatever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. 1 John 5, 14, 15 says, The promise is that if we ask anything according in harmony with his will, we know that that request is granted. I want to agree with someone. I want someone to agree that they believe that, that that's true, that when they pray with me, they're expecting Something to happen. They're expecting results. Amen? Amen. And then once you do that together and agreeing, standing together in prayer, you need to just move into an area of praise and thanksgiving with it. And this is important. Once you've come to agreement with agreement with God, agreement with someone else, and standing on the issue, keep your words in line with what you have prayed. Don't go out and cancel your prayers by your mouth by talking doubt, by talking negative, by going out and saying the things that are completely opposite of what you prayed for. Go out, continue to confess it, stand on it. And when we do that, the Bible's quite clear. He says, when you do this, I need you to know that we're two or three, when y'all get together, when, you know, it's like Southern translation. When y'all get together, 
God is going to be right in the middle. He's going to, you're going to, listen, when you pray that way, you're going to experience the presence and the power of God. I want to encourage this morning, add the prayer of agreement to your prayer arsenal. This is an important point. Add the prayer of agreement to your prayer arsenal and use it. Well, how do I use that? What about agreement? Let me tell you. Here, we're right down to the end. We're speaking to say amen and go. Here's what it's about. Who can you agree with when you pray the prayer of agreement? Well, first of all, you agree with him because he's always true. He's always right. God tailor-made a wonderful place for the prayer of agreement to operate. He called it man and woman, husband and wife. Husband and wife. The reason the devil hates unity and hates unity in the family and hates strong praying couples, husbands and wives is because that unity and that standing together in agreement of husband and wife and praying in faith is an awesome, powerful force. I'm just saying that I don't think it's one that we use quite as often as we could. So let me challenge you this morning. I've talked about it. Now let's do it. I'm not going to ask you to pray with your wife right now, your husband. Well, it wouldn't be a bad idea, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to ask you to go from this place today. And, and guys, you take the lead here. I mean, why certainly, I mean, if he doesn't, you can step in there and talk with him about it. But guys, step in and take the lead and say, you know, this is right. You and I don't pray together very much or fall. We... God put us together in one of the greatest, most powerful, special things that we can do as a husband and wife is to come to you, Lord, in prayer and agree with your word and see it happen in our lives and our family. Lord, I thank you. I'm going to do it. I want to ask husbands and wives right now, Lord, I commit to do it, that starting now, this week, I will... I will make an effort, but I commit myself. I will intentionally, I will intentionally begin to build a, a stronger prayer life, a stronger connection in, our, in the husband and wife, with, with my wife, with my husband. I'm going to start praying with her. Guys, if you're a born-again believer, if you're not, you can come to Christ today, start today, be a believer. Guys, the same way for, for the, the wives. You're not a believer. That's You have to start with that. Come to him today. Let your life be changed. You can call on him in prayer. But here's the important thing. As believers, husbands and wives, I know life happens. School, kids, stuff. The day goes by before you know it. Sometimes you're even kind of in different places for a while. Make a decision, a commitment. I'm asking you this, guys. Husband, I'm asking you to do this. Before the Lord, will you say, Lord, I commit this week. I'm going to intentionally begin to spend some time in prayer. It may be a minute. It may be five minutes. I'm not asking you both to get on on your knees and spend an hour to start with. I'm just saying, connect together and pray. I'd, I'd encourage you first thing in the morning, but anytime you can, make up your mind that at least once a day. And when things come up, you get bad news about something or some situation comes up, the best thing that you can do is to say, all right, we need to pray about this. Deb is better at this than I am. Things happen. You know, I'm always hearing about things happening, stuff come up, and I, I pray within, and sometimes I pray outwardly. Sometimes I wait and pray a little bit later about it. 
But when something comes to her, she's the first one that will come over to me and she'll take hold of my hand and says, can we pray about this right now? Now, it ought to be the pastor that does that. But she's a pastor too. And she steps in and she feels a place where I should take the initiative. And many times I'm thankful that she does. But as a man, I want, to use, I want to use more initiative to step in and cover my wife that way and pray together with her. First one, God created man and wife. Powerful, powerful prayer partners. Uh, friends, committed friends. Born-again Christians. Got people that you can really trust. I told you the kind of people we talked about that a moment ago. We, we discussed that. But you need to connect to someone, an accountability relationship. Men with men, women with women. Find someone that will agree with you, that will pray with you, that you trust, that believes the word, that will, someone you can talk with, someone that will stand with you. If you're part of a small group, this is not an opportunity for gossip. And by the way, by the way, here's something that will help you. You do not have to, when you're praying for a particular situation or someone, you do not have to describe the whole situation to God. Dear God, I pray for so-and-so. You know they do this, they do that. You know this is happening right now and this is not really what your will is. And we just described the whole situation and we spent 10 minutes and we haven't started praying yet. We're just talking to him about it. Now, there are times when you just need to open up and share. And attend. But look, when you pray, focus on in. Lord, I believe your word. This is what you say about this situation. I line up with it. I pray about it. Don't let your prayers just be a time of moaning and groaning and discussing the situation. And don't let your prayer time, especially when you partner with someone else, dear God, don't let it be a time for gossiping and discussing someone else. I think prayer partners can be a wonderful thing. There's, I think prayer chains can be a good thing. It can work. And let me tell you something. In my past nearly 50 years of ministry, there have been some times that, in, that, that it was better for the church, it was better for the church with that particular prayer chain to break it because it was a pipeline of gospel. It was a pipeline of everybody knowing everybody else's business. Well, we're just praying together. I'm going to get them on the prayer chain. Well, let's talk about it about 15 minutes. No good. Doesn't need to happen. You link up and chain together in prayer, you do it, but you stay focused on what you're supposed to be doing. You pray. And when you link with someone to pray as a partner with that person, then that's what you focus on. You don't have to discuss that person's past. You don't have to know all about the situation. You may need to know a little bit to know exactly how to pray, but then you focus in on praying. This is a strong word. But this is very practical, very practical. And then uh, a powerful place for us to have united prayer is through a church body, a body of believers, whether it be 50, 500, 1,000, 10,000, agree. Will this church walk together in unison? Will we be in agreement of what we believe the word says? Will we be in agreement with what we believe that God has given us as the vision and the call on this place? Will we be in agreement for God's blessings on the families of this ministry, that no more divorces, no more divorces, that families will grow, that young couples, that young men and women will grow up 
and they'll come to know the Lord in a strong way, passionate worshipers of God, that these young men and women will grow up fulfilling God's destiny for their lives. These boys and girls, these young people will grow up and they will find the right people that God has brought their lives to spend the rest of their life with. That God's going to do it in this church. He's going to raise up strong families. He's going to raise up people who can pray the prayer of faith. He's going to raise up He's going to bring about miracles through a church that can walk in a place to say, God, right now, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we agree. When you get a church agreeing together on something, powerful things happen. Amen.